Thank you for listening to the podcast for Burlingame United Methodist Church, located in Burlingame, California. Each week, we will share a sermon by Reverend Ann Duncan. Thank you for joining us on our journey through the Bible. Our scripture reading is from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her beautiful words of God's love for the outsiders, outcasts, and outlaws. Hear now this song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to his ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. May God add blessing to this reading. Thank you, Janet. Can you name the first four books of the New Testament? You can call them out loud. I'll give you a hint. First four books of the New Testament are the books about Jesus' life. Yes, and you even said them in order. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the first four books of the New Testament that share with us the life of Jesus. All four of these books share with us the good news which is what the word gospel means. These are the four gospels. These books share the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth, life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection and ascension. For the next six weeks, you and I are going to look at one of these four gospels. What makes these four Gospels unique is that they each tell the story of Jesus from a different perspective. Matthew has different stories than John, and then Mark and Luke. And for the next six weeks, we are going to journey together through the entire Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Luke is a favorite of mine. Since childhood, I've enjoyed hearing the wonderful, unique stories that Luke shares with us. Luke is the one that says that the angels sang at Jesus's birth. Luke is also the only one that includes that story of Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus is only found in Luke. The parable of the good Samaritan and the prodigal son and the account of Jesus' resurrection appearance on the road to Emmaus. For me, Luke is a wonderful book for us to read at this time of year. 
as we turn our attention to the life and ministry of Jesus, as we pay close attention to his death, as we await our celebration of his resurrection and Easter in just a few weeks to come. And if we pay attention over these next six weeks to Luke's unique stories, the ones that are only found in Luke and not in the anywhere else in the Bible, and if we look at the way he tells the stories that are also found in the other Gospels, on Wednesday night in Bible study, we learned the one story that is found, the one, there's probably more than one, obviously we've got death and resurrection and all of them, but one miracle that is, appears in all four Gospels. Does anybody remember from Wednesday night which one that is? You all. The feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four. We're going to have to take that quiz again. We took a little quiz on Wednesday together. See what you're missing by not coming to Bible study? This is not going to get anyone new to come. Um, the feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four. But if we look at un Luke's unique way of sharing that story, then I think that we are going to learn a lot about Luke's perspective. Luke has a perspective of reaching out to those as you lifted during our prayer time to those outside these doors, to those outcasts, those outsiders, those outlaws. Jesus, in the stories we find in Luke, is reaching out to forgotten people, people who are seen as social outsiders. Luke has a special eye for Jesus's ministry with these people. And by looking at Luke, we will hear this special message. I shared in Bible study on Wednesday that a great example of this are the Beatitudes. And we had talked about the Beatitudes recently, just this month. And Matthew says, blessed are those who are hungry for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Well, Luke takes those same things and says, blessed are the hungry, period. Blessed are those who are poor period. He makes it applicable to people who are physically tired and weak and experiencing being on the outside. That's Luke's unique perspective. So what do we know about Luke? Who was Luke? Who wrote this gospel that we are reading together? Scholars believe that it was written near the end of the first century between 75 and 90 A.D., between 75 and 90 A.D. The gospel does not identify its author. It doesn't say, hi, my name is, or sincerely, and sign their name. But our tradition identifies Luke, a companion of Paul and a physician, as the writer of the book. A man named Luke is mentioned three times by Paul in his letters. And Eusebius, who we know as the father of church history, described the author this way. Luke, who was by race an Antiochian and a physician by profession, was long a companion of Paul and had careful conversation with the other apostles and left us examples of the medicine for the souls which Luke had gained from them. I love that line. Left us words of medicine for our souls. Luke's home was in Antioch, which is in modern-day Syria. It was primarily inhabited by Gentiles or non-Jews. 
And Antioch became a central location for early Christians. Most scholars believe that Luke was the only non-Jew to write a book in the New Testament for the entire Bible, for that matter. He is the only non-Jew to have written text in our Bible. It's believed that Luke also wrote Acts of the Apostles. It is a sequel to this book, Luke, and it comes immediately after the four Gospels. It's those stories of Paul and the early church. Perhaps Luke was what they called a God-fearer. God-fearer. God-fearers were Gentiles who followed this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet did not undergo circumcision to become Jewish. Luke addressed his gospel to a man named Theophilus. And the word Theophilus means lover of God. Theophilus. Theophilus. Because we're reading this gospel today, I like to think that it is addressed to all of us who are seeking to love God. Luke did not intend to provide Theophilus with historical justification of Jesus' life. He didn't have this intention of saying, did it happen or not? Instead, Luke focused on what happened, and then what does it mean for us? In the first verses of the book, Luke expresses his aim to write, quote, a carefully ordered account of the life of Jesus, having, quote, investigated everything carefully, so that his audience might, quote, have confidence in the soundness of the instruction you have received. Carefully ordered, investigated everything so that we may have confidence in what we are reading. Luke's compelling narrative invites us into the life of Jesus. We get to become eyewitnesses. We get to hear the sounds, see the sights. Through Luke's eyes, you and I will be able to grasp the distinctive person of Jesus and see the implications of the gospel for the world in which we live today. Luke's witness calls all of us to receive God's grace, mercy, and love, and then to share that with everyone we meet. During Lent, all of my sermons will be based on the gospel of Luke. And as many of you heard last week, I'm inviting you to read the gospel together. Last week, many of you received this 40-day reading plan. If you did not receive it, you can find it in the email newsletter, and there are plenty still out here on the table. We are on day five today, so if you've not started yet, you just get to start in Luke chapter three. You are not far behind. So I hope that you will do this with me. I have to tell you all, when I was reading in Luke 2, I forgot that there was a genealogy in there. I came to that part this week, and I was like, what are all these names? I just, we often just skip over that nice birth story, the manger, and the angels singing. And then Luke includes several verses of a genealogy as well. So I'm interested to hear what you all hear for the first time, read for the first time, didn't realize was in the text so before you leave today, make sure. And Lauren also has the link to this PDF, and we'll put it in the Zoom chat for those of you on Zoom as well. So today, Scripture is one that comes at the very beginning. We've got to start at the beginning. I know some of you are thinking, we already heard the Magnificat last month in December, a couple months ago in December. Why are we back at Christmas again? Because that is where Luke begins Luke's story. 
In chapters 1 and 2, the angel Gabriel comes to those who are very old and those who are very young to announce the coming of salvation. We begin in Luke 1 right away with the story of Zechariah. And as Zechariah was performing his priestly duties in the temple in Jerusalem, angel Gabriel comes to him and says, you are going to have a son. You will name him John, and he will be the forerunner, the prophet, the herald for the coming Messiah. Shortly after Zechariah goes to his wife, she becomes pregnant, and they give birth to this son, John. All along, when we're told she's about six months pregnant, the angel Gabriel also comes to a young teenage girl named Mary and says, you will also give birth to a child, and this child's name will be Jesus. He will bring salvation to the world. Luke is telling us that the very old and the very young are an important part of God's story. Often, if we are honest, we may dismiss older adults in our midst. They aren't seen as relevant anymore. Perhaps we sometimes view their knowledge as being passe. It's similar for young people. They may seem immature. They may seem inexperienced. Both groups can be seen as having little to contribute. And yet we know that people of all ages are called by God. We see people of all ages just in this room today. Older adults have wisdom, experience, and leadership. Young people have energy, fresh ideas, a handle on technology. We are never too young to serve, and we never retire from the work that God has called us to. In whatever stage of life we find ourselves this day, God is calling us. God's choice of the young and old, it illustrates for us this unique perspective that Luke has. Luke reminds us that Jesus' appeal to the outsiders and the outcasts begins at Jesus' very birth. God's purposes are at work from the very beginning. God is working to lift up the lowly. In today's scripture, known as the Magnificat, we heard these words from Janet. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. These words of reversal are a key theme in the gospel of Luke. In Jesus Christ, God is lifting up those of low status whom we might label as society's outsiders, outlaws, outcasts. The good news that God is acting through Jesus Christ on behalf of the lowly will be our theme for the next several weeks. How does God lift up the lowly? Through Jesus and through us as followers of Jesus. We should read the words of Mary in Luke as both a promise and a calling. Mary was announcing this is what God is going to do. And it's an invitation to us to be a part of it. God calls us to lift up the lowly as we follow Jesus and partner with God in bringing about this promised reversal. Mary agreed to bear God's son and said, yes, let it be with me according to your will. Yes, 
I will be a partner with you. As I preached on this scripture a few weeks ago, we said at that moment, again, picture a young 13-year-old girl pronouncing these words about God's reversal in the world, bringing down those from thrones and uplifting the lowly. And then this young girl says, yes, I want to be a part of it. How amazing is that? And how amazing is that we are being invited by Luke to be a part of that as well. What does lifting up the lowly look like? You know that already. It means praying for those needs in our community and our world. It's the donations that you have sent for Syria and Turkey. Through the socks you have donated this past month to those who are unhoused in San Jose. To the meals that you provide on Friday night and on Saturday morning. Together with Jesus, we are lifting up the lowly. When we reach out to those in our community who are seen as those outcasts and outsiders and outlaws, then we are partnering with God to lift up the lowly. Sometimes I have been surprised to learn that the people we have labeled as the lowly are the people who know best how to share God's love with others. I shared with you last week that some of the most important spiritual experiences in my life have been through service trips that I went on every summer for seven years as a young adult. We went with my church youth group to the North Carolina mountains for a week every summer. It was a favorite part of mine to go and to help these people in these homes. I built porches and wheelchair ramps, painted houses, put roofs on homes, and I loved the community and the worship every night. I remember going to one home, I can still picture it, and we were working on an elderly woman's front porch that had become dilapidated. And because we were outside for most of the day, she stayed inside, and we didn't have a lot of interaction with her at first. And then at one point, she came to her screen door and asked me to come inside and to help her prepare cold drinks for all of us outside working. I went inside, and she asked me what we had planned for lunch that day, and I said, well, we have some peanut butter sandwiches in the cooler. And she said, well, that's not good enough. I'm going to cook for you. And of course, I was quick to say, no, 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 you don't have to do that. It's okay. We have our sandwiches. We're good. We don't want to bother you. And she says, no, I'm going to cook for you. And so I sat down in the kitchen with her as she warmed green beans. She fried Spam. We had wonderful sandwich bread and delicious Oreo cookies to go along with those cold drinks. It was one of the best meals I have ever had. It took a moment for us to all stop and to eat together and receive this lunch that she had prepared for us. I came in that morning thinking that I was out there lifting the lowly. We were helping someone who was poor, who was elderly. And yet what she demonstrated to me that day is that she knew God's grace she knew God's love, and she was ready to show that to us. Over the next six weeks, I look forward to reading the Gospel of Luke with you. As I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, we don't know exactly who Luke is. But we do know that Luke had a passion for telling us about the life of Jesus and how Jesus reached out to everyone. In the coming weeks, Luke will challenge us to share the love that we receive with him with other people. Luke will ask us to serve in everyone, 
including those we label as the lowly, the poor, the outcasts, the outsiders, and the outlaws. Our journey together will not be easy, but God in Christ will be with us as we journey with Jesus, first to the cross and then to that empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Thanks be to God.